All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. I am so excited today to reintroduce you guys to Daryl Lyons. Daryl, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to see you again and catch up. It is great to see you. And hey, folks, if you recognize Daryl's name, it's because Daryl is the only guest who we've ever had back on. This is your fourth episode on the podcast. And guys, I got to tell you, this is so cool because back in, um, when was it? It was uh, in 2015. We had just launched the, well, I think we'd done the, been doing the podcast for about a year. And you had written your first book. So this is six and a half, seven years ago. We were trying to piece it together. But anyway, you had found the podcast and you had started listening. And you reached out to me and said, hey, I got this idea. I have this book. It's called Small Business, Big Pressure. In the title of the podcast, it's episode uh, 58. If you guys want to go back and listen, because there is so much, Daryl, in your journey that's been so inspirational to me. And I think to other people that are Christians, that you're entrepreneurs, you're in the space. Because our first episode was a faith-based guide for entrepreneurs. I think at that time, you had started your company, Pax Financial Group, what, about six or seven years prior to you and I meeting? That's about right, yeah. Right? It was growing. It was going through its growth pains. It was still pretty small at the time. I think, what's the difference between, you know, seven years ago and now? What's the kind of growth that you've had? One way to measure is we're five times bigger, maybe even more than that. We made the Inc. 5000 list four years in a row. So I'll have to look at, I'll have to look from that date, but it's exponential, obviously. Yeah. So folks, everything that Daryl shared six and a half years ago is what he was living out, what he was applying. You just heard it, right? Four, five X growth, Inc. 5000 uh, list, uh, best places to work not just in Texas, right? You know, we made a, it was kind of a fun one. We made one with Tiny Pulse. Um, we can talk about that. That's a technology resource we use. Yep. We made one of their best places to work. And that was a fun one because I like their methodology. But yeah, we've hit some nationalists and I hope to continue that every year. It's uh, competitive. It is competitive. And then you came back about a year and a half later and we did a follow-on conversation about, hey, how do we lead a company that's in a really high growth phase as a Christian. I mean, because they're, you know what, the foundational pieces, I think, are fairly straightforward when I'm getting started. But all of a sudden, I'm in hyper growth, or even just, you know, steady growth, and I'm hiring employees, and I'm growing. How do I still really stay connected to the vine? How do I really stay as an entrepreneur and leader, stay connected to, you know, those kingdom principles But then also, because you've been able to do this, you've transitioned successfully, which is hard for a lot of people, from somebody who's the founder, that founder mentality to a CEO, an operating CEO. And that is a transition that's hard. And here's what you guys, and also, so we're going to be talking about this journey and some of Daryl's biggest lessons learned. And, because I think this is so important, what PAX does is biblically responsible investing. You know, we all know about giving in philanthropy. Has anybody out there stopped and just considered, you know what, if I look at the stuff that's in my my portfolio and I look at these different funds and all the holdings in the funds, am I actually using my money that in investing in companies that are completely counter to your values, to your beliefs, to kingdom principles? 
And in general, what I'll tell you right now is you absolutely probably are. Okay, I don't want to give you an absolute, but I would guess that the answer is yes, you are. And here's a great way is there is a way to invest where you don't give up the returns that you need for your security and your safety. And there's a way to invest that also honors God and what he's doing. And that's the company that you've built, isn't it, Daryl? Yeah, it's been a journey for me to get comfortable with that biblical responsible space. I'm very skeptical for, I've been doing this since 1999. And so I was a very uh, late adopter to that space because of my skepticism, but finally overcame it and uh, feel comfortable being in that space now. Now, was it skepticism from just, can I even invest in this kind of portfolio and it work because I'm cutting out so many different companies? Or is it just that this kind of focus is a way to build a company? Yeah. So not so much the latter. I think that, you know, focusing on a niche is really good, especially in today's crowded marketplace. And so I knew that if, from a business perspective, it's good to niche. The idea that they work well was, you know, not, I wasn't convinced, convinced of that. I was also really concerned about, and we still don't call ourselves a Christian company because I've always been skeptical of a plumber who puts a fish on their card and then charges mom and dad more than they should. Yeah, I just really, I'm telling you, John, over the years, yeah. I've just been really skeptical of Christian business owners and I'm okay with it now, but I had a long, long internal struggle with that. And so when somebody came to me from an investment uh, product manufacturer and said, this is a Christian investment, I'm like, whatever, you know, you're just trying to get more fees. And I would look through the prospectus and I'd see that there was because I would nerd out on these prospectuses. I'd actually read the things and I'd see that there was some cost of doing business that was more than I was comfortable with. And it's never really got to the point until about a year, a year and a half ago. And I went to the Kingdom Advisors Conference and basically they had to drag me there. And it was in Orlando. And I got a chance to read some white papers and to meet some of the academics behind it. And I realized that these had gone down like exponentially. And so I started to feel more comfortable, read some research reports about performance in this space and really dug into it and got on the other side of it to make a short story long. And now I'm an advocate for it. So, you know, question for you, and then I want to really get into some of the your leadership lessons learned over the last six, seven years that you and I have been getting to know each other. Yeah. Because, you know, same thing with Beyond Influence. I do not put myself out there as a Christian company or organization. Right. And I think it's really important because, you know, it gives us the ability to have influence in the marketplace as believers is excellence in what we do, who we are and how we do things. Now, in that, I know that God is going to open doors and I'm going to get to go into places that would never hire a so-called Christian firm. But through my relationships and my time with people, you know, God always shows up. There is a kingdom implant. I've been able to share my testimony with virtually every client over the last eight years at some point, because you know what? They ask. Yeah. But now with that, since you guys have this as a service and a practice, I mean, when you look at a title, Biblically Responsible Investing, it's pretty clear where you come from. When Was that a big decision? People that are listening, Daryl, how would you coach them saying, you know what, I really want to honor God and what I do, and how do I bring that out into the marketplace that doesn't feel like it's a compromise? Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. I think where I started in that journey is 
well, at least my struggle was, and I'm, if I'm answering this incorrectly, let me know, but my struggle was I was concerned about expressing my faith because of my ongoing fleshly sin patterns. Nothing extreme. It wasn't like I was doing anything crazy. Um, just how could I express myself as a Christian when I still have these fleshly sin patterns? How could I share the gospel or faith or have any extension of our organization uh, be affiliated with my creator when I'm still doing stupid stuff or still behaving stupidly? You know what? It, through prayer, I just realized the evil one really just planted that in my mind. And I didn't have to be perfect to have an extension of the organization express our faith to the marketplace. And so once I got over that, it was kind of fun because I started finding myself around more Christians. And that just kind of, you know, the, how the body of Christ works, that just kind of continues to edify you. You continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. And then eventually those fleshly sin patterns start to subside. I mean, they never go away, of course. But my point in all that is that I think that all my hesitation for me was rooted in I can't express any part of my business associated with any biblical principles or anything Christian until I'm perfect. And I'm going to wait till I'm perfect until I do that. And I had to just get over that. And that was the biggest hurdle for me. Well, you know, it's interesting because in that there's forces that don't want a biblically responsible investing uh, firm to succeed spiritually and physically. And I think, you know what, uh, you know, kudos to you, Daryl, and something I've had to work on too is whose voice you're listening to. What I've had to realize is a lot of some of those thoughts that you have that go through, you know, your mind, like I have to be perfect in order to, and you read through scripture, that is not how Father God talks to us. That is not, because that's why Jesus came. I mean, you're justified, you're sanctified, you're at his right hand, right? You're the son of a king. He wants to call you friend. You look at all this stuff. Think about some of your best friends. Like I've some of my friends are the biggest knuckleheads, and they would say the same thing about me, by the way. And we love each other in all of the human mess. And that's Jesus. So you know what? In leadership, as you're growing a company and you're making decisions, I think, you know, a really important tenet is, you know, you need people around you to help you almost kind of double check your thinking and how you're making a decision and you got to make sure you're listening to a voice that honors and reflects and is the father speaking into that. That's how I've been able to myself, you know, build a company, make strategic decisions, you know, hiring people, firing people. I mean, you know, day-to-day -day stuff. Some of it's really fun. Some of it's not fun, but it does need to be done. But I want to do it in a way that's from a place of in partnership with the father, Versus a place of maybe fear or doubt or guilt or shame. What do you think about that, Daryl? Well, you know, it's unbelievable how since you and I met, I've just been in the word of God every day. And my faith in Christ has just grown exponentially. Even though I wrote a book about it, it's just really, uh, I just smile and re reflect on my relationship with God over the years. And let me just give you kind of anecdotal some how those things work. You know, I wouldn't fire somebody because even though they were incompetent, immoral, what you check the boxes, I wouldn't fire them because <laughs> in my opinion, they would be lost. I was making myself their savior. What does that mean, making yourself their savior? Well, it was my own fault. What I was doing was saying, look, if I let them go, they're not going to find a job. They've got a family, you know, they're gonna struggle. And I put all that pressure on me so I wouldn't fire people. And then God did a good work on me and said, look, they're going to be okay. You're not the one that's going to provide for them. I will. So God had to do a work just so I could fire people. I couldn't let people go. 
because I was trying to take care of everything in their lives. And so God gave me the freedom to actually let people go and be okay with it and say, you know, God's going to provide for them. And I pray for them. Many of those people I let go over the last 10 years, I've had to do a reset in our company because I just had the wrong people on the wrong seat on the wrong bus, right? All that. And I had to let people go, but God had to do a spiritual work in me in order to trust God, that God would take care of those people when they left our roof. And sure enough, he did. And so believe it or not, in the area of firing, God's done a good work on me. I got to share something I'll never forget. As a leader, you know how many times the word nice is in the Bible if you search? Only one time. Is that right? Where is that at? When, uh, oh, who cut the Roman soldier's ear off? Oh, yeah. So that's right. I'm trying to think what scripture it would be in. Um, Because somebody asked me once, like, hey, John, you're talking about leadership. You're talking about leadership. And it sounds like you're just saying you have to be nice to everybody all the time. And that's just not good leadership. And I said, well, you know what? And I went and thought about it and looked at it. And the word nice is, but guess what, though? The word kind. So I think it's our responsibility as a leader to always be kind, which means you have the right motives. But I'll never forget, though, somebody who um, was working for me, and I just felt like this responsibility to mentor this person and uh, help them improve and do their best work. And what I had to learn to do, Daryl, is set very, not have expectations, but have very clear agreements for the work that needs to be done professionally and how you show up relationally, how you treat others, how you talk you know, those kind of things. And they were out of bounds on both of those. And what I realized was keeping this person in my, that was causing some challenges, but they were likable most days. What was the message that keeping that person was sending to my absolutely, my amazing top performers? And when I got into agreement on what was expected personally and professionally, And we got out of alignment. Finally, I basically said, hey, listen, if this happens again, do you have everything you need? Can I help you so this doesn't happen again? Do you agree this is the goal? Yes. And if it happens again, this is you choosing to leave the organization. And when it happened again, and I was a person of my word, and I said, you got to leave. And he was very upset. And do you know that 20 years later, that person is still my friend? And he looks back on that and says, you know what? That was the best thing that could ever happen to me. That was a wake-up call. So it might not have been nice in the moment, but looking back on it, it was probably the kindest thing that I could have done for them was hold them accountable. So I think also as leaders, we have to look at things, you know, from a much longer-term perspective than maybe our own comfort in a situation. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, those are principles that, you know, just, and of course, maturity, but over the, since we first talked six years ago, I think it's me personally that there's certain rooms in my house that I don't let him clean, but he's been cleaning a lot of rooms over the last six years. He's got a lot more room to, a lot more rooms to clean, but he's professionally as an entrepreneur that's kind of transitioned into a a more of a CEO leadership role. uh, God's done a good work um, on me and hopefully given me the skills to be able to take the organization to the next level. Yeah, well, Daryl, as you look back over the last six, 10, what, 15 years since you started PAX from a computer startup, coming from that whole industry, I mean, guys, Daryl's pedigree is huge, but then he says, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. I mean, true entrepreneur startup. What has been some of your biggest challenges over the last six years as you've kind of really gone from really getting some traction 
to growing into really a world-class firm. I mean, that's quite a run, dude. Yeah, thank you so much. I, uh, you know, really had to, to reset my skill sets in a lot of ways. So I would just say two things. One, we read the book E-Myth, and it's so true. I really had to stay focused on, I had to be in a leadership role and develop those leadership skills. And that was uh, complete focus and intentional, which means I had 2,000 clients that I had to transition over to other advisors because there's no way I could continue to give them the attention that they needed and then also lead the organization. It just didn't work and it was exhausting and it was leading to burnout. So that was very focused and it took time and it probably took every bit of that six years that since we met to make that transition. That's one. And number two, and this is something that I'm still working on, but family life still happens in the midst of entrepreneurial and small business growth and making sure that I stay connected with my family and all the emotions that come with raising kids. You know, I had a son over the last six years that got really sick. And uh, I reflect back on how that impacted my leadership skills and my stress level over the last six years because he was in and out of the hospital. He had a digestive issue. And I realized that my stress associated with that did trickle over to the business. And I look back and there was moments where I reacted because I was just in a heightened state of anxiety. Uh, I was thinking about it this morning and I remember calling my landscaper and yelling at my landscaper and I'm not a yeller. I don't know why I was in the word of God this morning thinking about it. I called and yelled at her. Why would I do that? I was so stupid. And then I thought about it. It's like, I was in the midst of a stressful situation and I didn't have any bandwidth and I just, just the way I reacted. And so I guess in all that, just, I mean, I'm just human, just like anyone else. And, you know, I think one of the things is just learning how to navigate through that family stress, because that just doesn't go away in the midst of growing a small business. And it changes, the type of stress changes, but it just never kind of goes away as long as um, family's a priority and they still are for me. But those are the two things I just, I think over the last two years, I just reflect on is getting out of that e-myth space and then also just learning how to, to balance the family stress along with the business stress. No, so that's an interesting point, I think, of tension for a lot of entrepreneurs. I know it's something I've struggled with. Transitioning 2,000 clients, developing processes. How many people are at the firm now, Daryl? We're at 20. We haven't grown with a lot of employees because we've kind of figured out a way in this uh, gig economy to a lot of our resources are now outsourced from compliance to Ruby receptionists. So in our growth, we haven't had to add a lot of employees to grow. It's been kind of fun. True, but that, you know, it's interesting that, you know, and that is a unique leadership challenge is, is you have a managing a team of full-time employees, W2 employees, but then also managing a team that consists of part-time players, right? Some are dedicated to you like Ruby and other ones, you're a client of their firm but you got to organize all that. But in all that busyness, there's so much to do at, you know, leading that organization. How did you create that balance? Because I'm sure there was times at night where you get home at six or seven and you easily could have probably flipped open your laptop if nobody was around and worked till midnight, right? So how did you find a balance in there? Yeah, I would love to say Jesus, right? Like, okay, here, it's Jesus. That's the answer to everything. But really there was three things that I had to consider so I wouldn't get overwhelmed in the balance. And one was either alcohol. I could, yeah, I saw a lot of my high energy entrepreneur peers. It was beer or wine was the choice to try to 
ease the tension, go to sleep and then do it again the next day. So that was an option for me because I saw a lot of my successful business people do that. But I didn't want to consider that because I had a family history of alcoholism. So I was always really hesitant to go down that path. Sleep, I read a book called Power Sleep, and that one was a significant game changer because then I started focusing really like hyper-focusing on my sleep. Like it annoys my wife to the point where I'll take a nap if my sleep isn't right. And then finally, I did martial arts for about six years because I needed an outlet and that was good for that season. But the sleep thing continues to this day. So I say all that because I had to find a way to manage the physiological side of my stress. And that was a priority and sleep and working out became a key contributor to my health. Do you have any kind of morning, you know, routines that you do that have really helped you, Daryl? You know, my evening routine's better than my morning routine and the fact that I have specific vitamin supplements I take and all that. But my morning routine's pretty good too, where, you know, it's water with lemon and quiet time. Right now I'm memorizing uh, Psalms. So I like to memorize scripture because it's one of the most challenging ways for me to really know my creator. So it's quiet time and uh, water and coffee. And I typically don't get a chance to work out in the mornings anymore because it's I've got four kids, so I need to take care of them. So uh, they're my priority in the morning. You know, in this journey of, you know, growing the company, getting things working efficiently, I mean, so many great things have happened. What are some of the primary lessons you've learned about yourself that you could share with other entrepreneurs that are really kind of at that inflection point where I feel like I'm just getting some momentum and I want to keep up this momentum, but I also don't want my life to, you know, I don't want to succeed at work, but then, you know, also fail at home. Yeah, it's a good point. So the good news is I've counseled just like you, John, thousands of people over the years. So I've seen a lot of people pursue money in unhealthy ways. I'm not too sure why my entrepreneur friends like to have so much stuff. There's an old saying that says, you know, you're only happy if you make $100 more than your brother-in-law. So I say all that because when I help people transition in retirement, one of the interesting things that happens a lot is they simplify life. They simplify things so that way the things that are important can be amplified and enjoyed more and not distract from what's really important. And I think, well, gosh, you got to wait till you're 65 or 70 to get, reframe that. And so I say all that because I think that entrepreneurs tend to just kind of add stuff to their plate and don't leave a lot of blank space for what's really important. And I'm talking about the stuff that they add to their plate is kind of like vacation homes or extra cars and stuff that requires attention. But I want my plate to be generally flexible so that I can be there for people who need me. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. So I'd say that's probably one of the things I've been learning over the years. Yeah. And I want to circle back to because you talked about the E-Myth, which is the first book I read when I started Beyond Influence. And the whole concept of working on the business versus in it right? In it is the busyness, the day-to-day, -day, the, and there is stuff that you have to do. But working on the business, what did you find helpful, Daryl, to say, okay, here's the stuff that only I should be doing. And here was the process to maybe take some of that stuff that was on your plate that shouldn't be. And how did you move it off? Because I've seen a lot of leaders really struggle with letting go of control of some of those things that just occupy a lot of time, but are not the best 
and highest use of their abilities. Oh my gosh, that's the leadership lid for every entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. I mean, that stops every small business from it going to the next level. It's because the leader enjoys doing things or is that their stress relieving activity, not their goal achieving activity. It's not the best use of their time. It's unbelievable. That's the leadership lid of small business. And so how did I unwind that? First of all, I read a lot of leadership books, a ton of them. Everything, I read like 25 leadership books from presidents, just presidents alone. One of the things I understood was that I need to be in the space where I'm casting vision. So what are the two or three things I needed to be doing mostly? I needed to cast vision, ensure that my team is healthy emotionally and they've got all the tools and resources, and then find any kinks in the hose. And so in conjunction with that casting the vision, which is developing a strategy and then executing that strategy. So if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not making the best use of time and actually I'm letting my team down. And so I started to find people who could do everything else. And I, you know, I'm not completely there yet, but operations is outsourced, compliance is outsourced, investment oversight is outsourced. All these things I did over the last 10 or 15 years, uh, customer services outsource, uh, technology infrastructures outsource, all of that. But I did it all and I got to the place where I finally found other people to do it. And now I'm in a space where most of my time is casting the vision or looking for kinks in the hose and making sure our team's healthy. Well, I love those three areas, casting the vision and then, uh, you know, making sure people are healthy, right? Which is getting to know your people. It is a tendency sometimes to start looking at people as objects to get work done, accomplish a goal financially or growth or whatever it happens to be, whatever KPI or metric you're looking at versus seeing them as individual. And how do I adapt? Because we all have our own unique leadership style, but how do we modify or adapt that leadership style to have the highest impact on the people, the influence on those people around us. And then constantly looking at your whole organization and saying, you know what, where are those kinks? Where are those constraints? And how do we break through them? Because one of my goals was always to, you know, look at how decisions are being made through the organization. And every time I was needed to make a decision or tell somebody what to do, what I realized was I was in a role of managing a person or a process. But if I could be in a role of, let's say you come to me, Daryl, and I'm like, okay, you're coming to me for this answer or how to or approval. The question really should be, is Daryl able to do this himself? And if he should be, how come he isn't today? So then all of a sudden I can then step into a leadership role of what do I need to do to equip, to educate, to empower, to train you so that we can push the decision-making ability down to the lowest point in the organization where the information resides to make that decision. Because when you do that, you are just constantly making sure people are developing, they're healthy, they're empowered, they're getting feedback. And that takes a lot of self-awareness and I think a lot of trust in your people because that really is a place of letting go and trusting other people to do like that you've done. And in that for yourself, was there anything in there that for you that was like, man, that letting go of that person, that some of those things was really difficult. 
Yeah, um, almost everything was difficult to let go <laughs> because I always felt I could do That's better. a real answer, man. Yeah, and I could do it better than anyone else. And then somebody told me along the way, hey, if somebody can do it 70 or 80% of what you could do it, then that's good enough. And I just kind of adopted that. I can't tell you that I really put a lot of thought into it. I just like, okay, that's good enough for me. If that Because I knew I was the leadership lid if I didn't pass along other things. But it was hard, real hard. No, I'm reading a great book right now by Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coast Coach, and it's called Who, Not How. You find, instead of trying to figure out how to do things as the leader, find the right who, the person that has the skills to do that very, very well, and then let them figure out the how. And in doing that, um, you're constantly in a process of just up-leveling the organization. Well, that's great. I wrote that book down, so it's one I'll have to get. Audio. I think you'll like that one. I got to, you know, if anybody out there listening knows Dan Sullivan, we'd love to have him on. Daryl and I can interview him together. So, yeah. well, uh, you, you know what, as we wrap up, I know you got a, a call here at the top of the hour also. Just, you know, between leadership and, in you know, investing from a kingdom impact perspective. And I know we've covered a lot here in the last 40 minutes, but first of all, how do people find you, connect with you, learn more about PAX, which is P-A-X, by the way. Yeah, Paul Apple X-Ray. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I mean, you see me on LinkedIn. I'd yeah. like to post there. So connect with me there. And then PaxFinancialGroup.com. Got some eBooks, like uh, Biblical Responsible eBooks. Um, I've got a podcast, brand new podcast called Retire in Texas Out. That's fun. So those are some ways. Retire in Texas South. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, uh, you're down in San Antonio. And it's Daryl Lyons, D-A-R-R-Y-L, and last name L-Y-O-N-S. So connect with Daryl. Check out PAX Financial Group. And just any final thoughts to leave with everybody, Daryl? I think more than anything, the one thing that, that God has impressed on me is to remind people to think long-term. And one thing is, you know, thinking long-term in terms of one, two to 10 years, you know, beyond beyond the month, beyond the circumstances, beyond the pain, but think long-term in the way you save, the way you build, the way you invest, the way you think. But remember, God is a generational God. So his long-term can even be longer. So, you know, when we're an entrepreneur going through pain and strife, we may not know that that child is looking up at you and God's doing a work through the eyes of that child. And God's really interested in change generationally. And I'm a testament to that. I know it's true. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've watched it. But think long-term is the best advice I can give any small business owner. Love that. Well, thank you, buddy. For What an amazing, it's just been so fun to be part of your life and just seeing your success on this journey. Congratulations. And oh, thank you. I really think God's doing a huge work right now around the area of finance, kingdom impact, and he's moving in the world. I believe that there's a, an awakening happening right now in the body of Christ. And I think uh, what you're doing is at the center of a lot of things that are happening in this movement that's going on. So, Thanks for answering the call, being who you are, and just setting such a great example. It's just been a joy to count you as a friend, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me back. This has been fun. All right, man. Keep knocking them alive out there. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch with you. All right. See you, buddy. See you. 